This episode is being recorded out of Shop Talk Podcast Studios in Oak Park, Michigan. For more information, visit www.shoptalkpod.com. Pink suits with hats to match. Big cracker down from Cadillacs. You looking for the fattest sacks. This is where it's at. Windows tinted. Seats for lyric line. Keep the hands on the burner. Cause niggas know that it's money on the Yo, what up, though? It's your man, Jay Johnson, a.k.a. the Tim Foyle Hat Titan, a.k.a. the Conspiracy Realist, a.k.a. the Technology Snob, Steve Jobs Jr., Don't Text Me With Your Green Bubbles, a.k.a. I Only Debate My Equals, Everybody Else I Teach, also known as Juice, because all the girls say, Jay, you ice, young Caesar, because you know you can't roam without me, mister. If you did it, I've done it before. I had it, got mad at it, don't want it no more, a.k.a. if you don't like me, fight me. I got kicked out of Noah's Ark because they couldn't find another animal just like me. I am the best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be. What up? Now, normally, this is the part where Dame come in with his introduction. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dame's not with us this week. Um, if you follow him on social media, um, you know he has some um, family issues that he's going through, and he's asking for your prayers and support. So just send prayers up and support for our brother Dame. And um, we're going to hold it down without him this week. Um, but we do have a very special guest uh, this week. And, um, brother, could you introduce yourself? Yes, sir. I'm Brother Machete Muhammad of the Nation of Islam and Ceasefire Youth Initiative. And I'm very happy to be with you on your show, dear brother. I definitely appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to come and kick it in the shop with us. Yes, sir. Shop talk. Yeah. So, um, from an episode we did a couple months ago, actually around January, so we had my good friend Don in the building, and we had a, a very heated uh, <laughs> we had a very heated exchange. Uh, two brothers wanting the exact same thing. That's right, and um, it's got, a good. It got a little heated. <laughs> got a little heated, but it was out of love. Absolutely, one hundred. It was all out of love. All out of love. And uh, my brother Don Vine, uh, introduce yourself, Don. I'm 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 brother Donnie. I'm just here to support my brother Machete. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. I'm here to support you, the the, the podcast. You know, it's it's I've I've seen the the Al Fatiha, the beginning of it. You know what I'm saying. It's 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 to the point now where it's it's on that upswing. Every every single episode is just it's just growing, growing, and growing. And I'm I'm proud of you, brother. Well, I appreciate it. I definitely moving, appreciate man. it. I love it. Um, Don, you know, I've been knowing Don for over 10 years now, and um, he speaks very highly of you. Oh, um, he he said uh, tons of good things about you, and there was a couple things that stood out, and I wanted to bring you in and just talk about it and chop it up. That's the man. Let's talk. Let's now, talk. Now, one of the many things he had told about you, because we, we love hip-hop on this mm-hmm. podcast. Yes, sir. Uh, now, he told me that you are a mentor to the, to, to the one and only Jay Electronic. Yeah, that's my little brother. That's my little brother, Good guy, crazy as hell, but good guy. That's 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 my little brother. Um, and yeah, Jay, we we really, which his name is actually Timothy. Okay. Uh, I don't know if the people knew that. Don't call him Timothy when you see him. Breaking news here on Shout Out Podcast. Right. So, um, but we 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 knew brother. Brother actually uh, was a five percenter. Mm-hmm. Before he came into the nation of Islam, and uh, we were in Atlanta, uh, we were in the studio um, down at JD's studio in Atlanta, mm-hmm. and uh, one of our brothers in Atlanta, who was one of the major producers in Atlanta, his name's Cool Ace. Um, 
Brother Brian X for the Nation of Islam. Um, he was doing his album, and there was a specific spot um, that Brother Johnny Muhammad, uh, we call him Johnny Audible, uh, he was um, supposed to do, because whenever you came into the studio with uh, with Cool Lace, Cool Lace makes sure everybody who's ever in the studio is on his song that he's doing. Everybody got Somehow, you gonna, I don't care if you just, somebody brought you as a friend, he's going to say, say hey on them. He makes sure that you're a part of it. That's the kind of atmosphere he likes to likes to uh, create when he's in the studio. So uh, Brother Johnny was supposed to do a particular verse. And so this brother was sitting on the floor writing. So we say, Brother, what, what, are you, what are you writing? He said, I'm writing a rhyme for it. You know? And Johnny, I looked at John, Johnny looked at me, he said, Brother, go on and do what you do. Let's see what you do. <laughs> brother, that brother got in there and lit the mic up. Yeah, yeah. Hence, we now know Jay Electronica. Absolutely. So that was the beginning of Jay. But, you know, those who know Jay Electronica, he's a vagabond. You know, you, you here's a brother who, he'll hop on a plane and and live live on a bus. Mm. You know, he 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 asleep in a, in a, in a uh, bus terminal. That's yeah. the kind of guy he is. But re- before there was the major social media, he became a social media god mm-hmm. through MySpace. Yes. You know, this was way before Facebook. Yeah. Um, but through MySpace, he became like a, a social media god. And he used that as a platform. And he made himself almost like this ethereal figure. You know what I mean? And so... I've been following since the MySpace days. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, and out of that, I mean, he got an international following. Mm-hmm. And ultimately, when you look at him now, he's a man who got now nah, baby by Erica Badu and mm-hmm. signed the Rock Nation and, you know. Allegedly, uh, um, a Rothschild connection. <laughs> Not allegedly. Well, you know. <laughs> okay. I mean, I Actual fact. Uh, you know, without putting my all of my brother's business yeah. out. Yeah. He's um, uh, Kate. Her name is Kate yeah, Rothschild. Yeah, yeah. She's an heiress to the Rothschild dynasty. And... Um, yeah, I've I've actually talked with Kate a couple of a number of times actually. Um but yeah, you got a young brother from the Third War Projects in hip hop go over and infiltrate the Rothschild family. You know, That's I mean, crazy I mean when think, you think about, about it. it. Think about who he is. Yeah, you got a, from the Third War Project. And man, you should see the tabloids, excuse me. You should see the tabloids over in London. Mm. You know, cuz the the paparazzi in London <laughs> run and they follow the aristocrats mm-hmm. over there. The paparazzi over here, they follow the quote-unquote celebrities. Yeah. Big difference. Celebrities over there don't get chased down. It's the aristocrats, those who set policy and change the world. Mm-hmm. And so here you got a young dude, brother, from the Third War Projects in Louisiana, because a lot of people don't know he's from New Orleans. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think, you know, he's from New York, and some people thought he was from Detroit. Some thought he was from Atlanta. First but, song I heard with him was um, Exhibit C, which uh, Dame actually put me on, mm-hmm. and he started naming Detroit streets yeah, like yeah. Hartwell. I'm like, uh-huh. wait a minute, uh, that yeah. was not like the the quote unquote eight mile. Right. Like, yeah, yeah. he sounded like he'd been here. Oh man, man, brother. <laughs> oh, man, you know what I'm saying? On, but man. now He's I understand here. why. Yeah, here sleeping on sleeping on the floor. Yeah. Um, I mean, brother, that's 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 that, that's my little brother. He again, he's like a gypsy. Mm-hmm. You know, he's a vagabond. You know, he the type of brother. <coughs> As a matter of fact, I'll give you just a quick story. 
um, we went over to uh, South Africa. We was going to South Africa um, to shoot his biography, autobiography, so to speak. It's kind of, you know, we had the cameras following us mm-hmm. around. And we were over in South Africa for about a month. And But on our way there, um, we had to stop in New York first. And so we were uh, in the studio with, with um, I was actually in, in the lobby at this particular time, but we know what happened. We were in the studio with Kanye West. Mm. And Kanye, you know, Poe brother, he, he kind of, he, he's a very interesting brother. He's really <laughs> depressed. Um, Jay gave Kanye um, a, some kind of something that he had, like a violin or something, some kind of instrument or something. And Kanye really teared up with like, man, I'm used to people trying to get things from me as opposed to giving things to me. Mm. But then when we got to South Africa, now mind you, we had a 12-hour flight from New York to Amsterdam. We had a two-hour layover. And then we had another 12-hour flight from Amsterdam to Johannesburg. Mm -hmm. Then, of course, after that, we had a three-hour drive from Johannesburg to Moffat King. So we was loopy by the time we reached our destination. However, when we got to Johannesburg, the where we were going, uh, it was a triplex studio. It was almost like just a whole uh, compound studio, gated community, whatever. And um, they sent drivers to come and pick us up in Johannesburg. Well, we in the um, we're in the in the gas station in Johannesburg buying some strange chips or whatever out of the gas station in Johannesburg, and some some South African brothers. Actually, you know, we talking, they're like, oh, yeah, you are from America, this, that, and the third. And he opens up the uh, where, where our luggage was mm-hmm. and grabs a trumpet <laughs> that he paid major money for mm-hmm. and gives it to a South African. Just off, just, just out of here. There you go, brother. Mm-hmm. But this is how Jay Electronica is. He, mm-hmm. will just, he will give you everything. He will give all the way till he has nothing, mm. you know. Just that's just how he is. People will have to kind of go, Jay. You can't, man. Hold on, man. But that's just how he is. He, he's that. He's that loving spirited brother who will give away everything. But at the same time, if he needs to do something like do an album, yeah. don't depend on him. Yeah, because he won't give that. Up to, he won't give us that album. Did Not going. Did he ever go through processing class or anything? Or? Yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's a he's a brother Timothy X. He's about to tell me. Matter of fact, he got he, he, he got, got, he, he, got, got ex in the, he got his ex he got in his Detroit, ex in Atlanta. In Atlanta, okay. matter of fact, it was it was Dr. Wesley Muhammad, mm-hmm. um, Jay Electronica, uh, who else? Uh, Brother Wakil, who's wrote a uh, number of books. Yeah. All of them, Brother Johnny, all of them got the were the click. Yeah, yeah, they were all that Atlanta crew. Atlanta was on fire at one time, brother. Mm-hmm. I mean, they had because of course Atlanta is this college city. Yeah. You know, where you got, of course, the Spellmans mm-hmm. and the, and the uh, uh, Morehouses, and this is where they were going. And But then at that particular time, you had Dr. Khaled Muhammad, who was the minister in Atlanta. Oh, yeah. It's like my second right? favorite person in yeah, the world. Yeah, you had Dr. Khaled, who was the minister in Atlanta. And then you had Firebrand Minister Tony Muhammad was mm-hmm. down there working as well, uh, who's now our West Coast regional minister. Uh, I mean, Atlanta had, and of course, you still also had... Uh, the, the the rock of the south Abdul Rahman mm-hmm. he was down there so Atlanta was full of fire man yep. and full then and then it was during that particular time when 
We were looking at the Cosby show in different world. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was all about uh, K.A. Psi and Omega Psi, Phi, <coughs> Alpha, Phi, Alpha, whatever, whatnot. So it was it was during that time when we were listening to the uh, KRS-1s and the public enemies of the world. Right. So that time was very ripe for young students and young black men and women to be educated about themselves. Hmm. So he came up out of that. So I know you said he was a 5% at first. Mm-hmm. I've been studying uh, Wesley Muhammad. I know he came out of the 5%ers all of them. Um, yep. as well. Yep. Do a lot of uh, folks who go through the nation come through there first? Is no, that no. normal? or No, no, no. Here's the thing. you got to keep in mind that the 5% Nation of Islam is an offshoot of the Nation of Islam. Okay. Um, Clarence 13X, who they call the father of Allah of the 5%er, he was in the ministry class in New York. Mm-hmm. And... Um, you had a brother. Now, mind you, in the Nation of Islam, we have what is called restrictive laws of Islam. That's what we and, were telling you about before we you, you came. Right. So you you have restrictive laws of Islam, and that means you these are the things you cannot do. Okay. Um, some brothers can't seem to fall into that. However, the knowledge and wisdom that the Nation of Islam presents is so magnetic and attractive that. I might not be morally strong to hold on to the laws, but these teachings opens my mind up, and it feed it start it feeds into the brothers who are in the streets. So they respected. See, they didn't want to hear I have a dream, right. you know. Right. And that's not something that fit the nature of us as black men. But what we teach fit that. But the moral balance was kind of off. So uh, Clarence Thirteen X he he left the mosque, but he took the supreme wisdom with him and began to teach in the boroughs of New York. Mm -hmm. And the brothers immediately gravitated towards it. And in our teachings, we say that you have the 85%, the 10%, and the 5%. The 85% are the blind, deaf, and dumb to the knowledge of themselves and the living the beast life. Mm -hmm. But then you also have the 10% who are the ones who control the 85%. But then you have the 5% poor righteous teachers who are charged with teaching the 85%. At the behest of the ten percent, of course. So uh, that's where that five percenter come from. Okay. Uh, and Clans Thirteen X began to teach that, and you know it resonated. And then the language of it, you know, the Black God, um, you know, the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We teach, we ask the question: Who is the original man? And we have to answer that question. The original man is the Asiatic black man, the mm-hmm. maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, God of the universe. Now, interesting enough, the five percenters, they say the original man is the Asiatic black man, the maker, the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, father of civilization, and God of the universe. That's what they added to it. you know. But again, what we're dealing with is an offshoot of the nation of Islam, gotcha. which is very attractive to the brothers in the street based on the language and the knowledge that's being given. Understandable, understandable. Um, so... Let's talk about your relationship with, um, so when did you get into the nation of Islam? When did that appear you know, of interest in your mind? Like, man, this is something know, it, It's funny. You know, if I, I, I've never told the story publicly. I can speak on that one, too. <laughs> Look, um, it's, it's interesting. My, my, my journey into the nation of Islam probably comes like many others. Okay. Many others' journey, you know. Some people talk about their journey as if they were this or that in the streets or whatever, whatnot, and they heard it, and all of a sudden they became this and that. But I literally, the first time I heard the teachings of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but being taught by the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, 
I was actually rocking up a kilo of cocaine. Mm. And my brother-in-law, his name is Phil Blevins, uh, he was pretty much he was pretty much the the supply man for us. For us. His mother loved Minister Farrakhan, and she would play that. So, but while we were rocking up the this kilo, breaking it down, rocking it up, he was playing a lecture called. Um, it was it was not the goddamn white man. That was Khaled. It was um, uh, 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 what is the name of the lecture he did? The white the the, the white, minister you talking about yeah the minister? the minister but it was an older lecture he said the the white woman is a bitch <laughs> and this and the white man is the son of I a remember bitch. that yeah I, I it's not Powerful. that's not the that's it's kind of that name but yeah it's, it's it was something I like remember that. that it was from like eighty. It was it was it was early eighty nine eighty eight you know no I think no that particular one because we end up listening to another one which was the white man is the devil and you know we we would listen to that but I would I would hear little smidgens of it as we doing this work but I was focused on getting this money right 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 let's get this money you know but and my man dropped some science anyway Mm -hmm. man my man dropped some science grabbed the jar (laughs) twisted you know what I mean (laughs) this shit got to come back right right but um so. One particular day, uh, his mom, she was listening to uh, a lecture of the minister, and I noticed him. I said, is that that man we was listening to the other day? And it was probably about three days later. He said, yeah, that's, that's Mr. Farrakhan. And he had a red bow tie on. And I asked mom, his, his, my man's mother, which I used to call her my mama-in-law, I, I said, mom, can I, can I see that? She's like, here, now you bring me my tape back. And the name of this lecture was entitled True Christian Love. True and Christian love. True Christian love. And um, he did it at Christ Universal Temple. So I took it home one day, and I was bagging up a pound of weed, and I put the tape in, VCR, mm-hmm. right? So you know this is time. Old school, old school. I put it in. This is probably about a three-hour and 20-minute lecture. It blew my high. Literally blew my high. I watched it. And I was like, I will never smoke this weed again, mm-hmm. literally. So once I sell this, I'm That's never it. selling weed again, right? So then I washed it, put it back in, and washed it again. So I'm there for like close to seven hours mm-hmm. watching this tape. Changed my life that quick. And then that was been the trajectory of me getting to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan mm-hmm. and the Nation of Islam. Of course, I ended up reading Malcolm, autobiography of Malcolm X, um, but I noticed that Minister Farrakhan mentioned the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, but also in the book, Malcolm X, he mentioned the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. So I said to myself, hell, if he can make men like that, I need to find him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I started looking for him. And one day I'm looking at Channel 62, and it was just this little rinky-dink channel at one point. I'm looking at it, and there was this this rinky-dink talk show. And there was a little young, high-yellow, chunky brother and he sounded just like Minister Farrakhan. I said, who is he? And then the little thing came under the little caption, Rasul Muhammad, son of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm. I'm about to go find this dude. Where's your daddy at? That was my mind. <laughs> your daddy making some monsters. Cause every time I see somebody representing him, I need to roll with him. And so, ironically, the minister was coming. We had Savior's Day here in 1990. And uh, by Allah's grace, I went and grabbed my... We had them laminates at the time, yeah. the clip-ons. I grabbed that, um, 
And then, ironically, somebody stole my car, mm. but I had my sister drop me off down at Cobo Hall, and I went in. But when I, I put on a suit and a bow tie, it wasn't even a clip on. It was one of them damn... Um, yeah, the, like the tuxedo. Yeah, tuxedo bow tie. I put <laughs> yeah. that on. I, yeah, you know, they, I guess it, yeah, I had the high, had top had fade, high top fade. And I got there, and ironically, uh, one of the brothers who was FOI, he must have thought I was FOI. He put me on post. Wow. I had only been to the mosque one time. He put me on post. And I stood on post for the minister that day, yeah. the entire election. That, that, uh, <coughs> interrupt real, interrupt real quick. That day, that Savior's Day, was like the pinnacle for yep. this whole thing starting, you know, at that time in Detroit. Yep. I mean, the energy. I mean, yep. it was it was, the energy it's was crazy. It's something different when you when you there. I mean, yeah, I mean, it, it is. I mean, but you see, the thing about it is, is that now you you felt the energy. Of what was it last year or this was it? Yeah, it was last yeah, year. We went down last yeah, year. Yeah. So yeah. you felt that energy, but we talking about the beginning. Yeah. That was yeah. that that that's yeah. in Joe Lewis Arena. We were involved in yeah. building that. Mm. Yeah. So and I and I can I mean I can speak very confident that, and no one will contest right. what I'm saying that we were involved in building that spirit. That's yeah. what's and up. That, yeah. and that Make no mistake about it. So I've had so. I was raised uh, in the Baptist Christian mm-hmm. household, mm-hmm. and that's what I had known for for, my, for most of my years or mm-hmm. whatnot. I mean, through the Million Man March, I was, what, 10 years old? Okay. So I didn't, I didn't know anything about it. I saw the, the get on the bus, the joint like that. Uh-huh. But I always heard what the media would say about, mm-hmm. uh, what, about the Minister Farrakhan. I always heard rumors about different things, and I never— Experienced them for myself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 2005, 2006, whenever we, they had a service day and it was at um, Ford Field. Um, so this was around Ford Field first. Might have been like 2007. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, me and a couple of my partners, we went down there. Actually, we did music and we put a skit in one of the on one of the albums and it was Farrakhan talking about drugs, like okay. um, whatnot. And the, the little skit that we put on the album, it, I was like, Something's there, uh-huh. you know. So we went down to the Savers Day, and while we was going down there on the radio, um, all the, the the pastors were like, "If you're a Christian, you're going out there. You should be ashamed <laughs> of yourself." And and there was just wow. Did you hear that in your church? No, on the radio okay. going down okay. there. Uh, you know, okay. on Sundays, you know, they got mm-hmm. the. Uh, yeah. And I'm like, wow. And then different pastors and different things. I'm like, wow. So when I sat down there and I actually listened to them for myself, I'm like, all right, let me let me figure out like what's mm-hmm. going on, right. And I was like, I don't, I was like, I don't see it. Like, what's the, like, what's this? All the fuss about. What's all the fuss about? And I, when the message I got from that day, what I took away was, uh, whichever religion that you you said that you claim or subscribe to, if you lived inside the laws and the, and the tenets of that particular religion, mm-hmm. then the world would be a better place. It wasn't it's him true. saying you should come here, you should do right. this or what I. And I got, <clears throat> I'm like, okay. So then, I wanted to know more. Mm-hmm. And then ever since then, I've probably watched every lecture, every YouTube video. Mm-hmm. Um, from, and I'm like, I gotta meet this man. I want to. <laughs> I'm like, I want to sit down. I want to. I want to have a conversation with. Now, granted, I'm looking at all this stuff mostly from like ninety, ninety two, ninety three, mm-hmm. and I'm like, man, like, I can only imagine what y'all was doing. Why y'all actually there? Because I'm watching it twenty years later. <coughs> exactly. You know, I'm I'm twenty years. I'm all riled up. I'm like. Mm-hmm. And but. the beauty of truth, dear brother, is it's timeless. You know, we, we you can't date truth. 
you know, you can hear some lectures by Brother Malcolm X uh, back in 63 and 62 that's relevant to today. You know, many of us say, and you hear many people in your family or friends, close friends, and they say, you know, if I was back with Jesus, I would have walked with Jesus. Or if I was back with Martin Luther King, I would have been a part of the civil rights movement. And many talk that. Mm-hmm. But yet today the exact same thing is going on. We have the exact same thing with respect to what's happening to black men and women happening in this country as we speak. We have a, a Bull Connor in the White House now. Yes, yes, yes. And so those who say that they would have walked with Malcolm X or walked with Martin Luther King or walked with Marcus Garvey or walked with Noble Ju Ali or the Honorable Elijah Muhammad back in the day, you have your opportunity now to walk with the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, who sits in their seat right now in 2017. So the hypocrisy that comes out of our mouths is stunning mm-hmm. because you have individuals who say what they would have done if they were. But, you know, there's an old saying. My grandfather used to always say, if if was a fifth, we'd all be, be drunk. Drunks, right. So you have an opportunity now to show forth and prove. But many are running away because they're afraid one of their paycheck. Mm-hmm. Our people then sacrificed. Matter of fact, when Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King, what, what they called at that particular time the right reverend, when he asked people to stop taking the bus and carpool or walk to work, they did it. And because they were taking the money out of their pockets, <clears throat> they said, hold on, man, we got to pass some kind of bill because this this is hurting our pockets. Meanwhile, we can't stop watching football. We just asking right. for you to stop watching football, man. We asking for you to not right. stop putting a dent in the couch with your backside and stop watching football. Hell, matter of fact, get up and for those little two or three spend hours. Spend some time with your family. Spend some time or go out and do some charitable work. But we can't even get off the couch from watching football. But our people back then walked miles to work, wore their shoes out. So it's funny how we 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 applaud yesterday, mm-hmm. but we stand not at all with those today. today. That's wicked, man. That that just shows you, man. You know, we we've become a shiftless and lazy people. Mm-hmm. You know, so at a certain point, Allah has to whoop us. And we're going to get whooped. So, yeah, Allah's whooping on the white man right now. I don't know if you know it, but you got fires on one coast and rain on yeah. another one. You know, so he's getting whooped. But eventually the whooping going to have to come in the house because we, you know, when, when we're fired up, we make things change. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> Black people got fired up, so let's put Barack in office. We came out in record numbers. You know, matter of fact, in Detroit, black people got fired up. And what did we do? We put... Kwame Kilpatrick in mm-hmm, office, mm-hmm. you know, twice, as a matter of fact. But take a look at what we're doing now. We're not doing anything. We don't want to stand up. Right. We're lazy. Right. You know, so how, 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 does that, how does that play to our children right. and our soon-to-be grandchildren? What would they say? Well, you know, my, my great-granddaddy did this, and they go, Daddy, what did you do? You know, I saw a funny uh, something online where somebody tweeted out and was like, Granddad, on that day... <coughs> Did you take a knee? Did you take a knee too? They're wow. like, no, I just locked arms. See, <laughs> see, that's like, what can you tell your to yeah. your grandson? Like, well, when this was happening, Granddad, did you participate? Well, you know, I'm a Lions fan, so I watch the games. See, here's here's a league that has 100 percent 
white man ownership. 100%. That means there's no black owners. 31 white men control at least 80 to 95% black men. This is slavery. True control because because their contracts aren't guaranteed. So as soon as you say something, you're out of here. Or as soon as you break a leg, you're out of here. You better get your money up front. Yeah. You know? And so at the end of the day, you have you have you have white men who treat black men just like the slaves. Now I don't there's a book entitled Forty Million Dollar Slave. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anybody know this book, get the book. It's mandatory reading, particularly it's so relevant today. Um but it shows you how these white rich men control the sports industry, and particularly black men. Mm-hmm. You know, we're, we're, we're nothing but commodities. You know, we trade, they trade Negroes like they I mean, trade on the stock market. You look at the combine, <coughs> see how fast you run, jump, touch your muscles. Yeah, that's that's slave. That's that's what they did. When sla- Turn around and see his butt cheeks. Yeah. <laughs> they, they, that's, literally, that's what they do. They literally do that. So what, you, what you're seeing now is that's the modern-day slave trade. But that's on the highest level right. because they're making millionaires. But what we don't know is that there's a thing called work release, work release uh, prison programs mm-hmm. where they send prisoners out to rich farms to do work, to do uh-huh. work. As we speak, mm-hmm. they lease them out. These prisoners ain't getting no money, man, so they're doing slave work and they got to come back come to right jail. Back. Yeah. That's slavery. This is the modern-day slavery as we speak. We're living in it. And actually, there's actual slavery still going on in the Deep South where they don't allow, they got literal slaves, and these slaves don't even know what's going on in your modern society. Mm. It still exists as we speak. Um, This week, um, Louisiana sheriff, uh, he wants good prisoners to stay jailed because, like, well, we don't want the good ones because I guess the ones with short time and short stays, they're, they're the, the quote-unquote good ones, and they do all the good work. We want to keep them. Yeah. I'm like, what? Oh, you got to hear what he said. Like, you got to hear what he said because he said, you know, and he's justifying it. Yeah. And he feels in the way he says what he says, he's right. He really feels like he's right. We got to find a way to keep these because yeah. these, right. essentially, these the good niggas. That's these are the ones are yeah, sub- these are the yeah. submissive ones. They do what I right. tell them to do. They clean up. We got to find a way to keep these. He had the audacity to say it on a hot microphone and As- continued to go. Yeah, yeah. You know, and then you had one brother standing behind him. I don't know if you noticed it, but it was one black man standing behind him. <clears throat> you always got an Uncle Tom. You know, you always got an Uncle Tom out there who, 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 you know, Massa, I think Malcolm put it beautifully. He said, whenever the Massa's house catch a fire, the slave, that Uncle Tom fights harder to put the blaze out than the master would. Khaled Muhammad said uh, something very similar when he was on Donahue. And Donahue asked him, do you think that Jesse Jackson is a boot? <laughs> he was like, yeah. to the best of his ability. To the yeah. best of his ability. <laughs> yes, we he, called him, he called him Messy, Messy Jackson. Jackson. Messy yeah. Jackson. And, and that was my brother. May Allah be pleased yeah. with uh, Dr. Colin and may he forgive him for all of his sins and his wrongs. That was my, that was my brother, man. He was a firebrand. You know, but every man of God have under their leadership what is called zealots. Okay. And a zealot is one who's not necessarily under under the control, but his love is unhindered. Right. 
And so though a man of God will pass down rules <coughs> and regulations and stipulations, a zealot won't abide by that. And a zealot will say, hey, man, look here, my love for you is what it is, but I ain't following them rules. You see, so uh, I'm not saying Dr. Collett was that zealot, but he had a zealot tendency. Um, and by Allah's grace, you know, I, I, I heard a, a brother actually tell me that Collett said to him, and, and I can't verify because our brother's gone, but said that Brother Collett said somewhat of the same thing that Brother Malcolm said to the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan, where Malcolm said to he said to the minister, I wish it was you being an example for me rather than me being an example for you. Mm -hmm. And Malcolm also mentioned, and he said it in his book, well, the autobiography of Malcolm X, which ultimately proved that a lot of that book was a lie once you read Manning Marable's book. I don't know if you ever read it, but if you can, get it. Um, but Malcolm said in that book uh, that he felt himself slipping and he couldn't catch himself. Mm -hmm. uh, Brother Collett actually said the same thing. Mm. He found himself falling, but he can't stop it. You know, he's going deeper and deeper. And deeper. I've, uh, I've, I've, I think I've probably found and watched everything on YouTube uh, from Collett. I, I enjoy, I, I enjoy listening to the brother speak. Um, him and uh, the Honorable Louis Farrakhan. It's just something about the class, the the mm -hmm. precision of their words, like. Mm -hmm. I don't know if you guys are familiar with the book, The Four Agreements, the be impeccable mm -hmm. with your words. Mm -hmm. Like that is that comes to mind when I listen to both of them speak. And not ashamed, but won't back down. No. And 100% precise and exact with everything. You got to keep in mind, you know, the cadence that the minister speaks in today is a different cadence than he spoke mm -hmm. in the 70s and the 60s and even in the early 80s and 90s. There's a different cadence. Um, when, remember, wisdom... See, when you have knowledge, this knowledge fires you up. It speaks to that rebellious side of it. It speaks to that, that fire side, that warrior side. Mm -hmm. That's knowledge. Knowledge is the acquisition of information. Okay. But once you get the information, you have to graduate from the information to wisdom. Wisdom is the practical application of the information that you received. Okay. But you can't stay there. You have to get to the next stage, which is understanding. Understanding is having gotten a result from the knowledge that you acquired and practically applied. So the scripture says, with all thy getting, get understanding. But you have to understand that there's a process. Mm -hmm. And so in the nation of Islam, we have, before you can come and get your ex, you got to go through a processing class. You got to go through the process. Oh, so that's what you meant. Did he go through processing? Yeah. You know, okay. you have to go through a processing class, and many have come through the process and didn't make it out of didn't processing class. Yep. You know, I, 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 you've been to college. Mm -hmm. You have those who pledge, and then you got those who never make it. They call them eternal scrollers, right? They all they never made. They drop line. Um, so we have individuals who didn't make it out. They didn't make it out of processing class. But when you make it out of processing class and you come into the fold and get your name put on the book of lambs, there's a certain base of knowledge that you have in your head. Right. And that base is the knowledge of yourself and the knowledge of your enemy. When you have that, and just like if I gave, if you're buying a house for me and I'm a realtor, my job is to give you the square footage of the house that you're buying, mm -hmm. right? Walk you through it. Let you know this is what you're going to own, right? Well, we're taught that we're the maker the owner, the cream of the planet Earth, and God of the universe. Then in our processing class, 
we're given the square mileage of not only the earth, but the universe. Mm -hmm. we, even, we even give you, look, if we tell you, look here, what, what is the population of the original nation in the wilderness of North America and all over the planet Earth? This was back in 1930. Mm -hmm. This when these numbers were actual fact in 1930. And we said the population of the original nations in the wilderness of North America is 17 million with the 2 million Indians makes it 19 million. All over the planet is 4 billion, 400 million. Right? But then when you find out what's the population all over the planet Earth, the white man is only 400 million. That makes us 11 to 1. Yeah. We're not a minority. At all. So immediately it takes us out of the thinking of a slave into the thinking of a god. That's what the processing does. It, it strains away from you your slave mentality. It lets you know that we got 139,685,000 square miles of water. Let's you know we got 57,255,000 square miles of land. Who put that information together? That information was given to us by Allah himself, who came in the person of Master Farad Muhammad. Now, mind you, he gave us that information back in 1930. They didn't have the equipment that could actually measure the earth or measure the earth weighs six sextillion tons a unit, followed by 21 ciphers, which means that's 21 zeros mm -hmm. after the six. That's what that is. So who was able to measure the earth and the water? Well, the scripture tells you about one who would come and, and he would place one land on the water and one land on the uh, one foot on the water, one, one, one foot on the land. And he will give you the measurements. The scriptures tell you that this one will come and give you this information. And now if you take a look at the scientists today, they're slowly but surely inching toward our actual facts. So you got to keep in mind, I mean, we're taught that the earth is 93 million miles away from the sun. And then when you go and act, if you say that to a white boy, the earth is 93 million miles. How do you know that? You know what they're going to do? They're going to Google it. Mm -hmm. Damn, you're right. How did you know that? You see? And then when you tell them, well, you know, you got, uh, there's uh, 57,255,000 square miles of, of land and 139,685,000, they're going, let me see. That ain't exactly right, but that's pretty much almost spot on. When you tell them theirs is, theirs is not spot on. Mine's is actual fact. See, theirs is, is they, what, what are they doing? They just simply. Uh, Googling, guesstimating. Pretty much guesstimating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. That's right. That's 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 right. <laughs> um. So, what's your relationship with the nation currently? Uh, I'm always a member of the Nation of Islam, right. and I was made a minister by Minister Rasul Hakim Muhammad, who is the son of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Mm -hmm. I was never stripped of my title. However, um, I'm always uh, a member of the Nation of Islam, and I help the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan whenever he asks me. You know, many of things that happened particularly the last few times that he that he came here, I put it together. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so you have a close relationship with, uh, yeah, I, with I the like man to, himself. I like I like to say that I you know I'm 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 one of the brothers who work behind the scenes. I don't need any accolades. Respectable. You know, you know let's just do the work. Mm -hmm. You know, at the end of the day. But mm -hmm. at some point I scream out and be like, You're gonna stop taking my credit now I'm just messing <laughs> with you. All right, so this thing for life. There you go. <laughs> I was just I was telling Don uh we was talking about a week or so ago, and um, I just realized that the nation of Islam was an actual nation as yeah. far as sovereignty, like flag, um, like constitution. Yeah. yeah. And, and when I think about it, I, I, I guess I've actually <laughs> always heard it spoke in different, in, mm -hmm. you know, uh, when the ministers speak. But 
it never clicked. Mm-hmm. It ne- I, ne- I never put in. So I guess I got the knowledge, but I did not understand it. See, the difference with us is that you, you, the main thing the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan demands and asks of this country is that they give us a separate state or territory yes, yes. of our own and that this country should provide for us for the next 20 to 25 years until we're able to go for ourselves, being that they do the exact same thing with the Jews. Mm-hmm. Our tax dollars go to support Israel, a land that they stole from the Palestinians. And we support Israel to this very day Mm. with our tax dollars. But they haven't done anything to build this country. Israel, um, the Jewish uh, persons as uh, Jap- J- Japanese as well, like we give out money. Well, what 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 you're talking about with respect to Japan uh, and Nagasaki? You got to yeah, keep yeah. We drop bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, right? Mm-hmm. So that's pretty much you know reparations. That's pretty much what that is. We we want to repair the damage that we had they that we've done. Matter of fact, we repairing the damage that was done in Germany. We're repairing damage that was done in Japan. You know, and but. What about the, the damage that was done to black people in America? Right. So try. why is it? See, there's three things this country will never give up. Three things. White mice, monkeys, and black people. They ain't never giving them three up. You know why? Why is that? Because they experiment on all three of them. Those are their crash test dummies. Yeah, definitely the white mice. No, definitely monkeys and black people. Yeah, well, I mean... I was just I was just I was just looking at something with the white mice and mm-hmm. you know they grow different body parts yeah. and stuff on yeah. them and they're not natural. I mean they got red. They experiment eye. on those three things. <laughs> yeah. And so at a certain point there's levels to their experiment. They'll try it on the mice and then they got to go from from mice to the monkey because the monkey is quote unquote the cousin of the but he's really their cousin because yeah yeah yeah. And yeah. our teachers we learn where the monkeys come from. The monkey ain't no more than six thousand years old, just like the white man. Mm-hmm. You see, matter of fact, the monkey is younger. Than a white man, and he's a product of the white man. True. So, but then you have black people of which they experiment on. You can take a look at what they did with the Tuskegee experiment. Mm-hmm. Um, here you have them experimenting on us with the most virulent form of syphilis. You can go and take a look at everything. They've hit us with chemicalological experiments, biological experiments, sociological experiments. There's a reason why they call Black people condensed into one area, the projects. projects. And at one point, every well, every project across the country was located right next to a major freeway. Yeah, for a particular reason. And if it wasn't, then they then, and if there was not a freeway, then then they're gonna ransack and run a freeway through. Take a look at what happened here in Detroit. You had Black Bottom, mm-hmm. and this is where all of your black stars would come. Because you had segregation at that particular time, and black people couldn't go in the white bars and so on and so forth. So we had to create our own reality and entertainment district. Ours was called Black Bottom. And in Black Bottom, you had nightclubs, and this is where the old, old jazz greats like the Ella Fitzgeralds or the Thelonious Monks or the Charlie Parkers, wow. and all of them would come, and they would play in these places down in Black Bottom. Mm-hmm. We know what Black Bottom is now? The lodge free. Yeah, I must say they put the lodge. They ran the lodge through it. So here we, this is what they do with us. See, they up, like right now, the city of Detroit is being gentrified. Absolutely. They're pushing black people. At one point, Detroit had two million people in it, right? Then at, 
it dropped down to a million, but it became predominantly black because of the the influx of black people from the South. Mm-hmm. But then all of a sudden, after the 1967 riot, July the 23rd, 1967, ironically, that was the day I was born. Really? I was born the day of the riots, you made, July 23rd, 1967. You made all the white people leave. Pretty much. <laughs> you know. So here they go. They began to, they had this thing called white flight. Yeah. And they began to leave. Well, then Detroit became the blackest city in America. 88% at right? one point. Right now it's about 75%. But then it dwindled down from a million to 900,000, from 900,000 to 800, from 800 to 700. Now it's only 678,000 people in Detroit, and they're still losing people. But yet mm-hmm. billions of dollars is being dumped into the city. So they're saying now the city is going to become too expensive for poor people to live in it eventually. Here's what's sad about this. You have downtown and midtown right now that already gentrified everybody. Because mm-hmm. at one point, it was, all you see was black people downtown, yep. especially in the summer. Yep. But now you got white folks eating their cheese sandwiches and walking their dogs, right? right? And jogging. But downtown and midtown has been gentrified. You got 687,000 people in the city. 530,000 of them is black people. And they live in surround town. So all the money is being dumped downtown and midtown now. Here's the sad part. You have a predominant number of renters in the city, no homeowners. And so there's no programs to kind of push for home ownership, and white banks don't want to loan to poor people. Mm-hmm. You got mm-hmm. one black bank in the city of Detroit. One black bank. One. First independence. That's yeah. it. One black. There's just one. And this is a 139-square-mile city. Five avenues that they call the five spokes, all of them converge into downtown Detroit. Mm -hmm. Did you know that's exactly how the roads are in Egypt? Mm. The roads converge into downtown right in Egypt. Detroit is set up just like Egypt. Wow. I just realized, because I looked... And I just found out that it's set up like a wheel. Yeah, and, and it's, wide, it's, it's called five spokes. And, and here, the, the, the spokes are Grand River, Michigan Avenue, Gratiot, Jefferson, and the other one is, uh, I think it's Fort Street. But if you take a look at those five spokes, they all go the breadth of the city. You don't have to get on the highway if you're downtown. You can hop on one of those major avenues mm-hmm. and get to the east side of Detroit, yep. get to southwest Detroit, get to the west side of Detroit. Just hop on a major avenue. You don't have to hop on a lodge or 75 mm-hmm. or 94. Just hop on one of the major avenues in downtown. It's going to take you to that side of town. They call them the five spokes. But along those five spokes, once it gets out of downtown and midtown, you start getting into the depressed areas. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And now, funny how cops can be on the scene in two and a half minutes in downtown and midtown, but it's going to take them two and a half hours to get to surround town. It's a big gentrification going on in the city. I mean, uh, we saw the change when, you know, we took that uh, bike ride from 13 and Woodward to all the way down down to Hart Plaza. And, like, we saw from the Royal Oak and it looked nice. And And once you crawl. It just started changing. Yeah, Yeah, you see it. You see it. It changed. It's almost like overnight. Good, bad, then to you get back worse. to good. Yeah, yeah worse than yeah. back to good. But that's the surround town. That's the surround town. Well, imagine if we did this, and this is what the Honorable Elijah Muhammad and the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan teaches us, group economics, mm. where we could start pooling our resources. Imagine if the 550,000 black people that are being disenfranchised in the city of Detroit would give $1 
just $1 a month. $1 a month. That means even the poor can give a dollar a month. You just go kick the curb and find a dollar, right? right? Give $1 a month. The first month, you're going to have about 500000 The second month, you're going to have a million, $1,100,000, right? If we took that $1,100,000 and began to buy up the properties in our neighborhoods, and then we hire companies to come in mm -hmm. and we refurbish these houses, the money goes into the black bank. That one black bank, it strengthens that bank. Yeah. It's very simple on how we can do this. Now, the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan gave me the assignment to do this. Okay. He gave me this assignment to do this. Now, our problem is we don't have trust yes. of black leadership. Yes. You know, because every black leader, particularly in the city of Detroit, has damaged the trust of black people in the city of Detroit. Yeah. And unfortunately, because we have that black leadership that has damaged our trust, when somebody comes in with a good idea, they go, okay, that's a good idea, but who's going to control the money? Right. We've had, we had this conversation a couple of weeks ago, and, <clears throat> and I, the same thing, I'm like, all right, the only way that you can do this is to put the money visible on a, on a website mm -hmm. where you can see where exactly. every single dollar goes. Right. At any you time, be transparent. Who, whoever is in the, in the program, yeah. so to speak, And that's exactly what we're looking to do with yeah. this program. It's called the Five Spoke Program. We're saying we're setting up a, 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 a website that when every dollar comes in, you'll see the numbers see move. where it's going. Right? And then when we say we want to buy houses in a certain area, the people who are a part of the program, once you give a dollar, you get an ID. That means you can go on and check out wherever the money is going. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Everything is transparent. But then once we get a certain amount, we say we want to start. These are the areas to choose from. We're going to start on either Woodward on this particular depressed area or Grand River or Michigan or Jefferson or whichever one. And we say, which one should we start with? And then the people vote. Whatever wins the vote, that's a democratic process. Right, right. Whoever wins the vote will start there. Then we say these are the companies, black companies, that we want to hire to begin the reconditioning of these houses. And then they say, okay, well, cool. We're going to go with that person. Good. Now, once they, then we partner with the school in that area and say, can we get your 10th, 11th, and 12th graders, some of them who, who want to come in and learn a trade, learn masonry, learn uh, uh, electrician, learn uh, drywall, s plumbing. They learn that trade, but they get credits going towards their graduation. Right, right. So not only are they learning a trade, but they're getting credits towards their graduation. When they graduate, they'll have a skill. Right. If they choose not to go to college, they'll have a skill. So now what we've just done was partner with a school. We've just rehabbed the house. We just made money, we just strengthened the black bank, then we make sure that that house is sold back to a black family in that area at a very low interest rate. See, this is how we do it. It's not hard. It's not. And I, I just, what's been baffling me, because I'm watching all these lectures and speeches 20 years behind, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and everything I'm hearing, like, this makes perfect <laughs> sense. Because we've been talking about the, the um, community investment, mm -hmm. and I'm like, all right, like why 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 haven't it why hasn't it happened like what it should have been happened like what happened I it should have it should have been happened but again when you've been robbed of your name language religion culture God folkways more ways norms yeah. and you've been given somebody else's name and told to worship somebody else's God and instead of calling the actual God master you've been told to talk call the white man who's your slave master master yeah. then there's a stripping of your natural nature 
And so what happens is you try to latch on to anything mm-hmm. because you don't know who you are. Mm-hmm. Imagine, man, you, do you know why Brother Martin Luther King was killed? It wasn't because he had a dream. It was mm-hmm. because he woke up. Yes. If you listen to Martin Luther King from 1967 to the day he died, listen to the difference in his speeches from 66, maybe late 65 on to 68, and listen to him before then. Totally different man. He what even did he say? say? His I am dream, integrating my people into a burning house. He said his dream became a nightmare. Yeah, but they only gonna play you the audio of him saying, "I got a dream, I got a dream." Yeah, but what they what they what they try to limit him to being is a civil rights leader. But what they don't know is that Martin Luther King set up what was called the Poor People's Campaign, and that's what got. Oh, we can't we can't yeah. have the lower. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we yeah. can't See, have them come. And up. so mm-hmm. when Martin was down, when he got assassinated, what people don't know is that. He chose to go down for the last time to go and do that speech down when he was murdered. But he was actually supposed to leave the next day <clears throat> to go march in Chicago with some sanitation workers. Mm-hmm. Martin was talking about, look, he, he started coming around. Remember, he met with the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Yep. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said of, Mal- uh, of Martin, he said, he said, brother, he would be one of our greatest leaders if he wasn't so fearful of his slave master. Martin was terrified of the white man. See, we ain't got no fear of the white man. We gonna call him what he is. He's Yakub's grafted devil, the skunk Skunk. of the planet Earth. You know how I feel about them. That's what it is. You see, and and it's not out of emotion. We don't speak out of emotion. We speak out of actual facts. Your blood has been... Our blood, <clears throat> or his history, has been written in our blood for every thousand years he'd been here. He killed upwards yep. of a million people every damn thousand years he'd been here. Everywhere mm-hmm. he has went, he has caused yeah. havoc and hell to the natives. This is what he is. In that land. You know, this is what he And he's That's not the, native the to nowhere on the planet Earth. Um, uh, Mr. Farrakhan just posted that earlier this week on uh, on Instagram. Mm. It was like, uh, and it was from it was from the Donahue uh-huh. interview. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, from from years ago, ninety three. As a matter of fact, he was like, um, when you telling us to go back to Africa, um, we told, if we you, told to go you to go where, back. Where would, where would, you, would go? you go? Exactly. Yeah, you no are not native yeah. nowhere, nowhere on the planet. Yeah. You're not. You're not even a native European. You know why? Because we sent you up into the hills and cave sides of Europe because we're the ones who stripped you down, put an apron on you, and marched you 22,000 miles across the hot burning sands of Saudi Arabia into the hills and cave sides of Europe. We did that. Hence, that's why your Greek organizations talk about crossing the burning sands burning because you're sand. mimicking what we did to you. Even your Masonics or Masons, which really means Muslim sons, they do the exact same thing. You only got 33 degrees out of the Masonic order. Hell, we got 360 degrees. So at the end of the day, where is your natural home? You know where that natural home is? In us. So they come from us. We're their natural home. So the scripture tells them, honor your mother and your father, that your days may be long in the land that thy Lord God giveth thee. Knew he was gonna say, "Yeah, brother, come on, man. These, you know." This, <laughs> so this. I understand what you're saying when when you say they come for us. So for folks listening who don't know what that means, could you explain that to them? Absolutely. Their father is one of our brothers. He's one of our. We. He's an uncle of ours or a brother of ours by the name of Yakub. <clears throat> Jacob of the Bible. Jacob of the Bible. Um, Yakub 
at six years old, which he was known at that particular time as being a big head scientist, he was six years old playing with two pieces of steel, and his uncle approached him, and he had noticed that in the steel they had magnetic attraction. Mm-hmm. And out of that, he realized that there's two germs in the black man. There's a black germ and a brown germ. And so he was born with a predetermined idea. He was already predicted to come. They knew one would come to pull out of us, out of the, the, the weak gene, which is our brown gene. He would pull out of us a people from that brown gene and make that, that brown gene a people which takes it to its last stage and make him unlike the original man. And so when he noticed that, his uncle already understood what he was supposed to do, but he said, Uncle, I'll, I'm going to make a people. His uncle said to him, well, what will they do but cause mischief and the shedding of blood? He said to his uncle, I know I what you, you know, know not. So he knew what was going to happen. And so he set forth by noticing that whenever the darker people, and now mind you, you go to Africa, brother, you got some people in Africa that's blue black. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure. literally, I'm talking so black they cast a hue of blue. That's some real blackness. Mm-hmm. And to show you that we're natural people to the universe, if you go outside tonight and it's clear, you look and see stars in the middle of darkness, right? Mm-hmm. Now, if I take a look at the universe, there's nine planets in our universe, right? In our solar, quote-unquote, solar system, right? right? Furthest planet being Platoon or Pluto, which is 4 billion, 600 million miles away. These planets are governed by a sun. The sun strikes each one of these planets on their axis, making them rotate at 1,037 and one-third miles per hour. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. If you take a look at the black man, the black man has nine systems in his body Mm -hmm. governed by a brain. That brain controls the nine systems. But if I'm outside, now the sun sits in the center, almost center of the un- of this particular universe, right? Governing these nine systems. Our brain governs our nine systems of our bodies. But if we are microcosms of the macrocosm, meaning we're small universes within the larger universe, mm. then the cover of us have to be dark and the light has to be on the inside of us. Mm. But when you change that, that means it's darkness on the inside and light on the outside. If you're dark on the inside, then all you can do is nothing but wickedness because wickedness That's right. is synonymous to darkness. Teach the people. <laughs> but here we are, we got light on the inside. Yeah. Our nature is we're children of the sun. So the reason why we can't be affected by the sun is because the sun came out of us. So only thing the sun can do to us, black people, is give us energy. energy. But remember, we were turned, we turned them inside out. Their father, Yaku, turned them inside out. So the sun, when it hits them, it gives them cancer called melanoma because they're dark on the inside. See, we're light on the inside. Mm. Light comes out. Go ahead, brother. So... Think about this, beloved. Their father, Yakub, he said, We're, I'm going to make a people. And his uncle said, what would it cause but the mischief and the shedding of blood? He said to his uncle, I know what you know not. What do you mean by that? He knew that what he knew what his people were going to do. But he also knew that his people only had a time oh, gotcha, to gotcha. rule. They were only given 6,000 years to rule. And to show you how slothful these people really are, 
They were supposed to be given 6,000 years to rule. They wasted 2,000 up in the caves. They lived in the hills and cave sides of Europe. See, they called, they got the nerve to trick you into believing these were castles over there. Man, them was hills and caves. <laughs> <laughs> Brother, and that's what we think. Oh, man, I want to go to Europe. What black man in his right mind want to go over there and visit these doggone caves? That's what, they, that's what they are. But what he did, he put together a birth control method. Now, I'm not going to go into the, all of it, all the whole thing, but... Just suffice it to say, uh, for the benefit of making a long story short, we sent them, we cast them out from among us, the people that were following Brother Yakub. That was our brother. Mm-hmm. And it was 59,999 of them, him making 60,000. We put them on ships and we sent them and we supplied all of their needs for 20 to 25 years. Doesn't that sound familiar? But then... But they, we sent them to an island called Patmos. Some say Pelon, mm-hmm. the island of Pelon. That's how the scriptures call it. Oh, we say Pelon and the scriptures call it Patmos, where he set up a birth control method. And whenever there was a dark baby, uh, what he would do was tell the mother, not allowing the mother to see it, but he set up strict laws with lawyers, nurses, and doctors. And he said the dark, because again, the blue black people, if two blue black people got together and had three babies, one of them babies going to be a little lighter. Mm-hmm. So what he did was the darker ones, he told the nurses to stick a needle in their brains. Wow. And then feed them to the wild animals, right? But if it was a lighter one, then he told them, this baby passed away, but it's gone on into heaven to prepare a place for you when you die. That sounds interesting, too, when it comes to what's being taught in the church, right? Mm-hmm. I go and prepare a place for you. But anyway, so the lighter one, he'd say, this is a special baby. And you should treat this baby special because, particularly of its color, because it's lighter, right? And so what he would do, this went on. Now, mind you, Yakub only lived to be 150 years old. But the laws were so stringent and strong that they kept it going. For 600 years. From that birth control method, first came the brown man. Then after the next 600 years came the red and yellow man. Mm-hmm. Then the next 600 years, the last ones, came the white man. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, if you'd have seen that first white man, it would have scared you to death because he looked like nothing but scabs. Mm. This is the white man. Now, when they tried to sail back amongst the original people, that's when we noticed that they were causing mischief among the people. And so we ended up rounding them up again and marched their backsides across the hot burning sands of Saudi Arabia into the hills and cave sides of Europe. And they, to this particular day, mimic that right now. When you, when black people go into a Greek organization, they don't know what they're mimicking. They don't know what they're mimicking. I I never understood why you would go to a historically black college and pledge a Greek fraternity. Well, again, uh, the the slave was robbed of name. We don't even speak our our natural language, beloved. So, you know, they were robbed of everything. So the, the, the story, well, the information that you're providing is why they say that Everybody originated from the black man and the black, per- I mean, the black man. I mean, even they scientists say that yeah. the first person was a black man. And the way that you got 
all these different uh, skin tones and ethnicities mm-hmm. um, is basically you saying through this process. Yeah. You think and, about it. They even their white scientists went looking for the origin of man. Mendel uh, mm-hmm. went looking for the origin of man. He went to Europe, but he ain't stayed there long. He ended up in Africa, yeah. and he found the bones of, uh, and they named him Zenjanthropus. Zenj meaning black, Anthropus meaning man. You see, so now you have Mendel proving that. But then you have Professor Leakey who, who determined that black skin is dominant and white skin is recessive. Kinky hair is dominant, thin, straight hair is recessive. Dark eyes are dominant, light eyes are recessive. You can get the recessive from the dominant, but you can't get the dominant from the recessive. So science backs up the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. Which is why the, the blue black was able to produce a lighter child. Exactly. Matter of fact, blue black can produce albino. Yeah. So, so in us is every hue. That's why I understand why brothers always want to go after these white women. Bro, you got you go get your high yellow sister. We got every color you want in our in our spec, and we're not a race. We got to get out of that. We we're not black people are not race. We're not a race. A race has a beginning or ending. We are the fathers of civilization. Are. We have no beginning nor no, they can't find where we began. I mean, they've been giving the brother Waka Flocka a lot of problems this week because he said he wasn't black, and he was trying to explain. Um, he was trying to explain something, but they're giving him a lot of flack because they should give him a lot of flack so we can bring the brother back to reality. I, that's my brother, and I love him, you know. But we hate ourselves so much that we don't like to identify. You know, it's just like when brothers go to try to get into Islam. You'll find a brother. He start trying to act like he's an Arab. Mm. So you, he starts Salam alaikum I'm from the Middle East. Like, brother, you from the east side of Detroit off of Mac and Bewick. You need to stop. When did this this accent come? Right. We hate ourselves so much. Even when we got into karate, we tried to be Oriental, you know, or Korean or whatever. We And we get around white folks. And, and to this day, black people get around white people and change up their dialect. See, now, me and you talking together. Mm-hmm. And we just kicking it, Right. And I'd be like, yeah, dear brother, you know, check this out. Did this here, Holmes. Blase split this, that, and the third. Now, if I'd just said that around some white man in the room, he'd have been like, I, I, I don't understand. Right, right. Well, what does that mean? Right. But you know where I'm going with what 100%. I'm saying. But our problem is we conform. You see, we conform to the white man. The scripture says it like this. Be ye not conformed to this world. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. Mm. Our problem, we conform to the white man. And the white man knows this. His nature is to feel superior. Even the white kids feel superior to a grown black man. Naturally. It's mm. just automatic. You ain't got to teach them. They just, because it's a, they know that they are natural enemies. Everything in nature has an antithesis, an antithesis to it. Yin and yang. You see? And so everything has a natural enemy to it. You know, the natural enemy to a lion is a hyena. You know, mm-hmm. the natural enemy to a to big alligator is a hippopotamus. You see? So the natural enemy to fire is water. Well, the natural enemy to the black man is the white man. And that don't mean I got to hate you. But if I loved everybody like the honorable, like, like, like our brother, the honorable Martin Luther King, if that love that he wanted prevailed, then white people would be no more because genetic annihilation would be the order of the day because you as a black man, me as a black man, you as a black man can't make nothing but a black baby. Mm-hmm. And so if we go to messing around with this woman, 
then eventually their race I mean, there's is a, done. It's I done. mean, he, there's a date online when there will be no more blonde hair, blue eyed. And that's People why born. you have the hate groups growing because, and I'm going to tell you something, if we really respected white people, we'd leave their white women alone, not black women to leave their white men alone. Because a black woman's womb is so powerful, it'll take the white man's seed and then turn it black. Mm-hmm. A white woman's seed can't grab a black man's seed and turn it white. That goes to show you there's True a that. superiority in the genetics. It don't mean we're teaching black superiority, but science proves that we're superior genetically. So if we allow the black man to just to fire at will, the white man will be no more. Genetic annihilation will be the order of the day. Yeah, I mean, I think, I mean, given this right, I mean, we're gonna, <coughs> everybody going to be beige in a minute. Oh, it's going to happen. They call it the browning of America. Yeah. You know, the browning of America. And, and again, if we really respected white people, we'd leave them alone. And I'm going to tell you something. If we left them alone and separated from them, they'd kill themselves anyway. Because remember, World War I, they had nothing to do with black people. Black white folks kill each other. White on white crime. Always. When Germany, you got to keep in mind, Hitler was their brother. That's their brother. Why, why are we dealing with him? That's your brother. That's your brother. Yeah. See, so that, that, that problem happened with the first family of white folks, which was Adam and Eve, Cain, and Abel. That's white folks. They ain't had nothing to do with black people. It was way before them. Yeah. Yeah, so gotta, that yeah. was a problem with the first family <laughs> yeah. of white folks. And one brother killing the other one, but... Man, I, I reference some of this stuff from time to time as a joke. Well, not even as a joke on the podcast, but I reference it. But I don't, I've never, we never got into it. We always said we was going to do an episode like this. And actually, um, I say Yakub or mm-hmm. I say, I'll say something like that or whatnot. And um, me and Dame will laugh or people who listen know. Right. But I'm glad we got a chance to explain what uh what that is and what yeah. what, what that's yeah. about. Yeah. It's a lot um, more to it, but you definitely. know this it's just a cursory. Yeah. 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 Definitely. I mean I mean it was explained to me, you know, years ago by um one of my brothers who's a more and mm-hmm. um at the time we would just battle hash it out because I'm Baptist Christian. Mm-hmm. So he would come with this and I come with a verse mm-hmm. or I come with this or and like we would just bad and we had a I brung him on the on the show. Uh, at the end of last year, it was a great mm-hmm. episode because um, slowly but surely, I started understanding mm-hmm. a little bit more. I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, eh, yeah, yeah it's gonna make a little bit of sense. And you know, you, you got to love and respect our brother, the honorable noble Drew Ali, and the body of knowledge that he left. You know, as a matter of fact, the honorable minister Louis Farrakhan just indicated to us last weekend. That when we speak of the Honorable Noble Drew Ali and the Moors, that we should hold them in high reverence and speak respectively of them. The Honorable Elijah Muhammad said that Noble Drew Ali and, of course, our brother, the Honorable Marcus Mosiah Garvey, were forerunners of himself. And if you take a look at the Honorable Marcus Garvey, he was influenced by a Muslim Mm -hmm. by the name Dus Muhammad. So you, you're looking at the influence of Islam, which is the nature of the black man. Islam just simply means entire submission to do the will of God. And matter of fact, Jesus was a Muslim. Mm-hmm. And many of your Christians get a tendency to, Jesus wasn't no Muslim, he's a Christian. Jesus never called himself a Christian. You can't find it nowhere in the scripture where he said, I am a Christian. Even with the seven I ams, I am the light of the world, I am the true vine, and you know, all the I am, but you, he never said, I am a Christian. Mm-hmm. It was the enemies of Jesus. 
who said, these are those at Antioch, who said, these are those who follow Christ and they call them Christians. We, he never called himself that. But again, Islam has always been the order of the day when it comes to the entire universe because everything was done by the will of God. Islam is not a religion. Islam is just a way of life. But because men and white men came along and always wanted to shrink something down and give it a title. Remember, white folks go around naming everything. Mm -hmm. Remember, we gave him the power to do it. Well, Adam, Adam, name this. That's them. We told him, go ahead and name it. His nature is to name everything. So white men like to name, okay, this practice is this. This practice is that. Well, he, because he introduced that mentality into the people, Allah said to Muhammad, وسلم, he said, this day I've perfected your religion for you and given you Islam as a religion. Wait a minute. What was Islam before then if it was as a religion? It's just simply a way of life. Right. See, so since you want a religion, here, I'm going to give you this. That's almost like the Jedi mind trick. Yeah. I'm telling I, you just to do yourself. I saw... Um I'm in the, 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 the debates, whatever. I saw Brother Polite. This was a very years ago, um, battling back and forth. When I can't think of the brother, other brother's name about Islam and what's the what's our true religion and mm-hmm. when did it start and did Islam come from Christianity and whatnot. Um, and it was I, I saw both of their arguments, but mm-hmm. I I enjoy that whole that. Yeah, that. I mean, you know, I and and my my brother and, and I love Brother Polite. You know, he he's more so off into ancient Egypt and all this and yeah. that. But you got to keep in mind, Islam was way before. Yeah, and that's what Egypt and Christianity. Even though, uh, when you look at the name, it's a good name because Christian is one who was crystallized into oneness with God, following the example of Jesus the Christ. And Jesus Himself said, "I am the way." And he said, pick up not my cross, but pick up your cross and follow me. That means you follow me, you're going to have a cross. Mm -hmm. So Christian meaning crystallized into oneness with God, following the example of Jesus the Christ. Jesus also said, I am the light of the world. And to be a Jew means one who has crossed over into light. That's why they have those candles, you know. And when he said, I am the light of the world, uh, to be a Jew means one who has crossed over from darkness into light or from death into life. So then he also said, I myself can do nothing except what the Father wills. So that means he said, whatever I'm commanded to speak, whatever I'm commanded to speak, that shall I speak. Whatever he commands me to do, that shall I do. That means he submitted his will to do the will of God. So there's, it's right when Jesus said, in Christ, all are made one. There's no division. But when you really look at it at the beginning, when you go into the book of Genesis, dear brother, and you, you, you get me started, man. I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I've been a minister in the Nation of Islam, brother, for, for years. And the Honorable Elijah Muhammad always said, he said, it's not that the, the ministers don't know what to say. They just don't know where to start. But once we get started, we go. But in the book of Genesis, the first commandment given to Adam was to be what? Fruitful and multiply. Now, in multiplication, a mathematical word which means to do what? Grow exponentially, mm-hmm. right? So if he said be fruitful and multiply, that's a direct commandment coming from Allah God himself. So in him, when he gives you a commandment, there are words in the commandment, right? So the book also says in the beginning was the word, and the word was God. So when he gave the commandment, that was God in the commandment. So if anything that's opposite of the commandment given is devil. 
So what's the opposite of multiplication? Division. Hmm. What does the white man do? Divide, Divide and, and conquer. conquer. <laughs> you see? And so even his language divides. You see? So now when we look at that multiplication and division, addition and subtraction, anything opposite of God is devil. But the minister gave us one of the most beautiful descriptions of what a devil is. He said a devil is deceptive intelligence that rationalizes disobedience to God. Mm. Say that again. Deceptive intelligence that rationalizes disobedience to God. Mm. Now, many of us, we rationalize when we're doing wrong. You know damn well what's right. A lot of us are devils too. Exactly. But so the Honorable Elijah Muhammad said, don't call them devil no more, brother. He said, call them the slave master's children or Satan. Why Satan? Because Satan's wickedness is not confined to himself. It spreads and infects others. Interesting how the scripture says it like this. Behold, I saw a pale horse with death as its rider and hell following closely behind. Now, when you take a look at the people running the world, it seems to be coming from the United States of America. I mean, United <laughs> States of America, right? Now, what's interesting is that if you look at America on the map, it looks like a running horse, doesn't it? Just take a look at how America is shaped. Mm. It looks like a running horse, Interesting. Right? Now, what sits on the neck of that horse riding that horse is a mitten. Right? Now, interesting that the hip-hop generation calls Michigan the murder mitten. But did you know that Detroit was called, at one point, the arsenal of democracy? Mm. The arsenal of democracy. That means that through Detroit, all war armament is made. During World War I and World War II, the, the plants shut down from making cars and start making tanks yeah, and Yeah, that's machines. what the shutdown is exactly. that they go through. So what they do, so they call Detroit the arsenal of democracy. Hip-hop generation called it the murder mitten. The scripture says death as its writer. Which is why what, what uh, sparked the song... Um we almost lost Detroit because mm -hmm. they was making that warhead and yeah. almost gives mm -hmm. yeah. so coherence. So yeah. hence what you have is Detroit being the place where war armament is made and shipped throughout the world where America goes in and brings in hell to wherever she goes. When she leaves, the people go from being in an okay condition to a hellish condition when she's gone. Went over to Iraq, supposedly freed Iraq, and now the people say, hell, we wish Saddam Hussein was back. We were in a better condition when Saddam was there. You know, went over to Vietnam, and the people in Vietnam are still recovering from the madness we sent them through. So, hence, death mm. as its rider and hell following closely behind. But that's why God chose to come to Detroit mm. to find ask, us. That's, is that, I mean, it's a, what a coincidence it is that the first mosque mm -hmm. right yeah. here in the city of Number Detroit. One. Yeah. God, see, we say Allah appeared in the person of Master Father Muhammad in 1930, July the 4th. And he was fulfilling the promise to Abraham when he said, Know for surety, Abraham, that your seed would be lost in a land that is not theirs, and that they would be afflicted, and that they would be among a strange people. And they will serve that people for 400 years. But in that time, Abraham, I 
not sending somebody. I'm not going to send you Joshua. I ain't send you Noah. I ain't going to send you Muhammad. I ain't going to send you nobody. I'm sen- I'm coming myself. Book said he said prepare a body for me. Think about that, man. Then he said that he would come as he would come in sinful flesh to condemn sin in the flesh. Come in sinful flesh. That means he's going to come looking white. Mm. Coming to condemn sin in the flesh. His father was a black man. His mother was a white woman. Oh, we get off into that later, brother. Mm. But I can keep going with that, brother. Interesting. I know we got a whole lot of that subject, brother. We can talk all night. I know right. we. I know we. Uh, you you mentioned boxing that you were interested Absolutely. in boxing. Absolutely, I do too. want to wrap up with boxing. Um, I, Don, tell me you have a boxing gym. Yeah, it's my yeah. favorite sport of all time. I yeah. love boxing. Watching every mm-hmm. each and every day. Started boxing at eleven years old. Okay, eleven years old, crunk. As a matter of fact, God rest his soul, Emmanuel Stewart was my godfather. Oh, really? It's my godfather, and we started at Crunk, and it's funny because Crunk just burnt down to the ground uh, about a week or so, a week or two ago. Really? Yeah, was that burnt to the ground. Arson in that, was, it? was it the original Crunk? It's suspicious. Yeah, the okay. original Crunk burnt down to the ground. Jesus. Um, <clears throat> but uh, I started boxing at 11 years old. Uh, the gym that I have now is hands-on boxing. Uh, we're on uh, James Cousin between Puritan and Myers. Oh, that's not that's not far from me at all. Yeah, we got the number one amateur program in the country. As a matter of fact, uh, some of our young brothers just got back from a national tournament. Uh, we got two more national tournament winners. Um, and boxing brothers is, is that's my that's my see people who know me. There's three things that I love. Mm-hmm. One is the teaching of the Honorable Elijah Muhammad. We can talk all night on that. The second thing is boxing. Mm-hmm. We can go all night with that. I am a. I'm talking literally. I'm I'm a, a encyclopedia when it comes to boxing. That's what's up. And the third thing is dogs. Okay. I'm a dog. I train dogs, and I've always liked alpha breed dogs. Okay. So those are my three things that I'm that I that I love. Um, but when it comes to to this boxing thing, brother, you know, I, I've been a part of it since I was 11 years old, uh, all the way up until this very day. I'm 50 now, so that's a hell of a lot of years that. Mm. Uh, that I, I put in with respect to that sport. Always wanted to box. I've never boxed, mm-hmm. but I've always wanted to box, man. I, I still do. I don't want to be professional in them, but I need to get in there and spar and just train. And I, you know, you 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 might want to see people. People don't realize sparring. You know, three minutes is a long time. Very long time. It's a long time. You know, you you say oh, three minutes, man. Please, I can do three minutes. Nah. But when somebody laying hands on you like a Christian preacher at a Baptist convention, <laughs> and they tell you you got two more minutes. Brother, that sounds like he just told you you had two more weeks. Yeah, for sure. You know, just um, hitting the heavy bag by with nobody hitting you back yeah, for three minutes yeah, yeah. is a workout. You know, I, I like I said, I've been a part of it for for since I was eleven years, and and, and that's 30, 30 plus years. Um, it's 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 one of the best conditioning sports that you can be a part of, but to participate in the sport for long amounts of time, the damage is 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 mass. It's you know, I, and may Allah may, may Allah bless our brother brother Roger Mayweather, mm. which is uh, Floyd Mayweather's uncle. Brother, he's messed up now. Yeah, he's really in in a bad place now. Matter of fact, he's going missing. He just take off and walk from the house, and they don't they got to find him. Yeah, wow. I've been so, hearing behind. So I've what been... they did was put uh, a device on this a tracking device on his neck. So he go missing. You know, they can check the tracking device. Where's Where Roger at? at? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, you know, but I mean the history is best qualified to reward research and and we know that boxing has damaged a lot of brothers 
You know, I've seen, I've known people I personally know who died in the ring. You know, it's 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 a gladiator sport. It is. You know, but it's addictive, man. Hell, it's addictive to fans. Imagine mm-hmm. how it is with, you know, you got to be slightly crazy to like people punching you upside the head. Mm-hmm. You know, but um, but once you, you learn it, it's like chess. You know, it's not checkers, it's chess. Yeah. And I look. I love the the the, the, the technical aspect of boxing. Mm-hmm. Like I just, granted, I, who doesn't love a knockout? You right, know what right, I mean? Right. You 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 see this level, yeah, but yeah. like I can appreciate the sweet science. Yeah, yeah. And I almost hate watching fights with some people because they just don't they don't under they don't understand what they're looking at. Yeah, yeah. Like oh, this guy is running, or like, you don't understand what you're looking at. Like this is yeah, you yeah. don't see what he just did there. He took it like. It's, it's irritating sometimes. That's because it was, the casuals. That's because right, you're you're dealing you're dealing with people who don't know the sport. Hence, they they just want the brutality of the yeah. sport. I just want ah rock 'em sock 'em robot type thing. And those who don't know what rock 'em sock 'em robot is, I guess I just told my age. <laughs> but you know they they want that that bang 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 bang, where it's called the sweet science. There's a reason why it's called that. Boxing is a game of angles, mm-hmm. you know, and you have to you have to think your way through the fight, you know. Um, and I always tell my fighters, it's it, you know you you got to fight to the bell because uh, you can get your you can get your rear whipped at two and, minutes and you got seconds and you got two seconds left to go and boom you win the oh fight, you know. So it, it it's it's a game of of of, of ebb and flow. You know, things can change on a dime. One punch can end a fight, so on and so forth. Um, it brings, I think about Meldrick Taylor versus Julio Cesar Chavez. Oh Five seconds yeah. left to go in a round, and yeah. the referee, and, see, that, that that's played him. You know, you know what's funny? My, my fighter, we fought, um, one of my fighters, uh, Brother Cornelius X, is um, Brother Cornelius Locke. His name is Cornelius His slave name was Cornelius Locke. We were the co-main event. Uh, on the Floyd Mayweather Shane Mosley card, so I'm I'm in Las. I had to be in Las Vegas for 30 days for training camp. We in training camp mm-hmm. with Floyd Mayweather, and um, Richard Steele had fighters that he's training in Vegas, mm. and so I hired some of his fighters as training partners. So me and Richard Steele hung out quite a bit. So I had an opportunity to ask my brother. You know, I say, man, well, well you know, you, I, I'm a, I got this was early on. This is like the first two or three days we were there. And we he brought his fighters over because we were paying his fighters for for, for sparring sessions, and um, we talking right after the fight, right after the training session. One day we sitting there, we sitting in the locker room at Floyd's and them gym. I say, man, you you got to tell me, man, well, what made you stop that fight with Meldrick Taylor? He said, brother Machete. He said, man, I'm in there, and I'm hearing bones crack, mm-hmm. meaning Julio Cesar Chavez was punishing. Meldrick Taylor. Now, what we looking at on the outside, Meldrick was hitting it with the boom, 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 yeah. boom, boom, boom. But Julio Cesar Chavez was boom, boom, yeah, boom. He said he heard, he was hearing Meldrick throughout the fight going, uh. Yeah. You know, he, uh, boom, boom, boom. But that's that Philly, that Philly in him. You know, that, that Philly, Never Philly stopped. dog in him, right? But boom, boom. And then he said when he, the last shot he hit him with, it sounded like a shotgun. When Meldrick dropped. Now, Meldrick, to me, got up without even grabbing the ropes. He stood yeah. up. All he had to do was go, you okay? Walk to me. It was five seconds left yeah, in the fight. Yeah, but, but he don't know that. Yeah. He told me, I didn't know that. 
you know, he was like, I was just protecting the fighter. Yeah. Now, I respect that. I'm, I'm, I respect that, Richard. But you can tell Meldrick was not the same after that yeah. fight. It was, it was all downhill. That fight. It didn't make a difference if Meldrick's hand would have been raised. Yeah. Meldrick was destroyed. That fight destroyed Meldrick. Yeah. Matter, you got to keep in mind, they fought again. The, they fought again, a yeah. rematch. He beat the brakes off Meldrick the second time. It was terrible, man. That that beating was was just it was just a could, raw beating. Some people get changed in the ring, and they they will never I've be. Seen, the I've same. seen fighters age in a round, age in a round. You know, you got to keep in mind, man. Roy Jones Jr. was at the pinnacle of boxing. You know, but you you gotta you can't make certain mistakes, man. Roy Jones Jr. went up to heavyweight, right? Come back down. And six he fought Jean later. Ruiz and won the heavyweight title, did something no middleweight had ever done. He should have retired then. Yeah, absolutely. Because he'd been in, in the pantheon of the greatest fighters of all time. He's fighting next month, by the way. Yeah, I know. I mean, <laughs> he's he been getting knocked out. People been knocking him out. I mean, he, but see, what happened is he go over to Ukraine and over in Russia, and they're giving him the type of money over there to fight that he was getting here when he was fighting the Antonio Tarvers mm-hmm. and the and the uh, Bernard Hopkins of the world. He's getting that kind of money over there. So really, he's just chasing the dollar. He's chasing the dollar. And that's why I respect my brother Andre Ward. <sighs> Andre Ward said, you know what? There's a particular pinnacle that I want to get to. When I get to it, when I reach it, I'm done. Mm-hmm. He wanted to be... Considered pound for pound the greatest fighter. He didn't duck anybody, and he's retiring undefeated. undefeated. So at the end of the day, you're going to have to – you're going to have – think about and it. And I got a gold medal. And I got a gold medal. Yeah, <laughs> think about that. Come on, man. The, the man have reached the pinnacles of boxing. So what he like, what do I need to stick around for? And really sticking, sticking around too long in this sport, man, we've seen it from Joe Lewis, Muhammad Ali, Joe Frazier – I mean, we the, you can run the role, man. Honestly, I think uh, Hitman stayed around a little bit too long because he was chasing the dollar. Yeah, chasing the dollar. And, and once he, my, Tommy was the most exciting fighter in boxing because there's two absolutes in boxing: a puncher will always be able to punch, and a person with a glass jaw can't buy a chance. Right. American but Tommy was the complete absolute, so he was guaranteed to give you an exciting fight. Somebody going to sleep. Either it's going to be him or the other person. Mm-hmm. Remember, Tommy's the only man that ever knocked out Roberto Duran. Roberto was never – Marvelous Marvin Hagler couldn't knock out Roberto Duran. Think about that, man. Roberto Duran came up from the lightweight division. Mm-hmm. The first time, you know, the first time Roberto Duran got knocked down, he got knocked down by a man by the name of Esteban de Jesus. Mm-hmm. Now, again, I'm a, I'm a boxing yeah, for sure. enthusiast. He got knocked down by a man by the name of Esteban de Jesus. He was only 16 years old, turned pro. He was a baby. Mm-hmm. He'd been along that, but he done came up through boxing all these different weight classes. He ended up boxing. Man, he ended up fighting James Tony, man. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, think I about mean, it. Right. Think, man, this dude that came up, he ended up fighting light heavyweights and heavyweights. But he was called the hands of stone for a reason because mm-hmm. nobody could knock this dude out. But Tommy, boom, on the chin. He fell like a tree. And nobody knocked him out before then. Nobody knocked him out since. Yeah. I just watched because uh, it was, uh, was it 25 years since the um, Sugar, Ray Sugar Ray and then fight? I, yeah, I, I watched Bobos. it the other Yeah, I watched yeah. it the other night. And um, just because. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, it's funny. I, w- I was talking with um, some of our, our, our beloved brothers here in, in Detroit. You have uh, K9. Mm-hmm. <coughs> I had him on brother Reggie Reg and I, we had a a Sunday morning talk show and this particular day, um, 
Reg couldn't make it. I held the talk show, but I invited K-9, Jimmy Paul, Milton McCrory. Um, who else? K-9, Jimmy Paul, Milton McCrory. It was one other fighter that I invited. I can't remember who it was. But we all had him. We had him in the studio. And, of course, the subject came up. Who is your top five pound-for-pound fighters on your list? And it's interesting how everybody got their top five. Mm -hmm. Now, fighters, bar none, across the board, most fighters, 95 to maybe 98, close to 99% will tell you, the best fighter pound-for-pound of all time is Sugar Ray Robinson. Yes. You know. That's what everybody's going to tell you. Bar none. Um, But you have some others who... They gonna say some stupid stuff, but it's the next four. See, the only reason that well, cause like that's like when in hip hop when they ask who your top five, like you got to say True. Biggie, you got to say Pop, like no, you, you get, don't have. To, I know, though. but polit- like it's yeah, people yeah, do it. Like exactly. so, for an example, like so for Sugar Ray Robinson, I understand. It. I never watched him live. Mm-hmm. I can go watch YouTube uh-huh. tapes, right, whatever. Right. But it's not the same because I didn't live in that era. Exactly. Um, like when if I see a, a boxer right now fight and I watch his whole career. Uh-huh. I can tell you the level of competition he was fighting. I know the 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 people who weren't superstars on mm-hmm. a, on his resume. I know how good these fighters were. Mm-hmm. I, I've seen these people before. So if I'm I'm 35, so if I've never seen Sugar Ray uh, Robinson fight for real, I've seen highlights and I've seen actual fights on YouTube. Mm-hmm. If you're younger than me and you explaining to me how this was the best fight, you don't necessarily know that for yourself mm-hmm. because yeah. you didn't see it. But see, here's the measuring stick that you have to measure it by. You got to measure it by the frequency of the times that they fought back then. They were fighting every week and a half, two True. weeks. I mean, they were fighting. I mean, two weeks. Sometimes fighting the same guy six times, down, right? Getting knocked out, then they end up fighting two weeks later. You know, so they were fighting frequently. Then you looking at the level of competition, you know, and then you look at the paddings of the gloves. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the rules during that particular time. They have different measuring sticks that you have to measure it by. So when you take a look at the measuring stick, just like you have the, you know, let's take a look at the greatest running backs of all time. Mm-hmm. You know, some people will say, well, Walter Payton because he broke the record. But, I mean, wait, you, you got to take a look at what Jim Brown had to do. They 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 were damn near playing in hats. You know, the helmets weren't as... as yeah, yeah, as, yeah, gotcha. yeah, Yeah, technologically sound as they are now. So when you look at the rules back then as opposed to the rules now, look how many yards he gained with the rules back then. Big difference. So those are the measuring sticks that you have to measure yeah. by. But some people say, well, I didn't get a chance to see him. See, so my top five list has people on it that people never heard of. Of course. Because i seen these people with my own eyes. Yeah. You know, when, when, when I look at my top five, Sugar Ray Rock, Muhammad Ali, sorry, he don't come in the top, he don't make, he's in my top five, but he don't make it the top three. That's what I understand. I mean, it's hard to have this conversation with people sometimes, but, like, you can't be the best ever if you was taking L's in your prime. You can say that. You can say that. But at the end of the day, you, you also got to keep in mind. And if you... Muhammad Ali was a monster, man. Absolutely. Ab- 100% you know, and, and, absolutely. And, and remember, his L's only came after the three-year layoff. And True when that. his Parkinson's was really setting in and people didn't know. You see? So like his, his first L didn't come until his comeback. Remember, his first L came when he came back and fought Joe, Joe Frazier. Frazier. Yeah. You know? So he 15 was, rounders. And he, could, and he couldn't move like he... So yeah. we... we he had to change his whole style up, which makes him the greatest because he was able to adapt to his shortcomings yeah. and still win. I think, like, for an example, 
Roy Jones as well as Muhammad Ali suffered from the same thing is they were so naturally gifted that they didn't ha- they didn't do the fundamentals correctly. Yeah, I can pull. But it st- worked for them. Yeah, I can pull my chin straight back. Yeah. Right, but when I'm not um, when I lose that split second, now when I pull my chin straight back, caught. I'm getting, I'm, getting <laughs> I'm going. But to see, sleep. Ali was able to adapt better so than Roy Jones. Yeah. See, Roy Jones was a natural athlete. Everything with respect to the fundamentals of boxing, you're correct. They did absolutely wrong. Your chin, you don't pull back with your hands down. You see, you don't fight straight up. You make sure your chin is tucked. Mm-hmm. You see, and when you shoot your right hand, you don't just shoot it with your chin up, up in there. But athletically, they were able to get away with it because their twitch muscles got them yeah. out of the way. Muhammad Ali's, it wasn't the fact that he was doing it wrong. Remember, he was suffering from Parkinson's and didn't know it. They learned what it was later on. Mm. Even in the movie, they you know they try to make it. Will Smith say, "I can't, my legs are not moving. Feel like I'm walking in water or sand." Ali knew that. He something ain't right. You know, his speech starts slurring, and they start thinking it was being punch drunk. But no, he but he adapted because that's when he came with the terminology rope a dope. Yeah, you I'm think there's you a correlation between his MS and the boxing? Because oh, I know well, they're not no they're not, cons- they're not they're not mutually exclusive yeah, to each yeah. other. But like, make no mistake, you know when they talk about CTE in football, yeah. That remember the, the the brain damage started, the study started with fighters with boxers. If you go and look at Will Smith's movie that he that he's dealing with the football, I didn't watch it. You, I couldn't you take, get, the, you, you couldn't take the action. Chance. <laughs> if you get a chance, check it out. But it's dealing with CTE. Yeah. You know, and many of the fighters suffer from that CTE. You know, remember the brain don't have anything holding it steady. It's just on a it's on a, a piece of meat. And it's floating in fluids inside of our head. So somebody hitting you, your brain yeah. bumping up against your skull, that's damaging the brain. So many fighters, man, they suffer from CTE. Yeah. You know, but I can talk about boxing. Yeah, I'm about to say I can long, talk about boxing all day, man. I, I, I definitely just want to uh, uh, thank you again yes, for sir. coming in and um, pleasure's mine, brother. Sharing stories with us, um, dropping knowledge with us, oh, praise and uh, being able to talk a little bit of boxing. I mean, literally, those three things is what we what you do in the barbershop. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? You, That's right. You, 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 or maybe some politics. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. So one day we probably have you back. You know, yes, we, we can yes, talk. I love to come back, brother. Pretty much anything. Um, and I'm very interested in the 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 five. Five spoke five program. spokes program because um we got I mean yeah. we got to get that up. I have ground. a Facebook page up now, just you know, just kind of just a simple page right now, just to kind of give people a little bit wet their palate palate a little bit about it. Uh, ultimately, you know, like I, I'm I'm setting up some other stuff because I'm I'm dealing with Ceasefire Youth Initiative, which is Brother Reggie Ridge and and I's uh, five. 501c3. Okay. Uh, we're actually in different schools. Uh, Sister Sharon McPhail, we're in her school. Uh, we done spoke in over a thousand schools in the years that we've had our 501c3. Uh, so that keeps me busy, not to mention, you know, my, the, the boxing and so on and so forth. But at a certain point, I'm going to hunker down. And uh, matter of fact, I got a meeting uh, with my brother Sam Riddle. Hmm. I got a meeting with him tomorrow, and and we're gonna get this thing off and running, and uh, get the uh, bank account set up, and then get some. I got a brother of mine. Uh, you remember brother Anthony? Yeah. Uh, the great computer wizard. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's also in the graphics and so on and so forth. Matter of fact, he used to be uh, your man, uh, Lil Wayne's uh, road manager. People didn't know that. He I was, didn't know he was, that. Yeah, he was Lil Wayne's road manager. Matter of fact, Lil Wayne's book was written by Anthony. Yeah. <laughs> Long, see, we're on a small world. <laughs> Six degrees of separation, but um, so 
Uh, we're we're going to sit down with Brother Sam Riddle. We're going to get this uh, website put together so it can be transparent. A dollar, that's all we're looking for, a dollar a month from everybody in, who's a part of the 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 uh, forgotten mm-hmm. of Detroit. One dollar a month. Everybody can give a dollar a month. Twelve dollars a year. Come on, fam. Come on, man. Come on. Two hot and ready's with with the taxes added in. I mean, <laughs> man, come on. You know what I mean? You right. Know what I'm right. It's two hot and ready's. Exactly. Exactly. So we're putting it together. But I appreciate you, brother, uh, allowing me to, to 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 run my mouth. I guess you can say well, on the show. Definitely been a pleasure. And um, I got some stuff to ask you off air. <laughs> yeah, please come on, man. Anytime, so, brother. Just had and I got I, I got to thank my brother Donnie. Brother Donnie <laughs> say, brother, I want you to come on my brother's show. You know, anytime that brother say, let's do something. Let's. I'm gonna take man, and 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 I know we got to go off air, but I had did a um, a celebrity basketball game in the city of Detroit, and um, uh, I was facing a lot of opposition, a lot of opposition. But there were two brothers who was right there by my side through all of this opposition. And that was my brother Donnie and my brother Marcel. Mm-hmm. May, may Allah be pleased with him. He passed on now. He was the brother that got yeah, shot yeah, downtown. Yeah. Uh, but those two brothers was right there by my side. Yep. You know what I mean? And brother Donnie and his dad had the limousine service. We picking people up from the <laughs> airport. And yeah, brother, we, yeah. So that brother there, that's my man, 100 grand. That's what's up. All right, man, like we say every week, um, I'm not saying we the Rockefeller podcast, but we are Jay and Dame. Peace.